0: welcome to the hvac financial freedom podcast a show to help you create more revenue profit and freedom in your life now your host john victoria
1: Alrighty, hello and welcome everyone to the hvac financial freedom podcast my name is john victoria your host and today i am very excited For our two guests that we are bringing on today, Um, these guys have been on the fast track to building a very um, successful HVAC company in Kentucky. And I'm so impressed because uh, from one of our our conversations, the oldest person in their company is one of the owners at 30 years old. And so, you know, I think that there is a a new change coming in the industry. And I'm very excited to hear all they have to share and also how they got on the fast track to growing such a, a, a big company. And so the two guys, the two gentlemen in question will be Zach and Dalton of Air Support Kentucky and super excited to have them on board. So let me bring them on. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you guys? How's it going, move? Awesome. Yeah, so super excited. Um, So I guess just to kick it off, like, I mean, you guys grew so quickly over the first few years. So could you talk just like where you guys are right now in terms of revenue? How's the size of the team and like? What's the service area you guys are focused in on?
0: Yeah. So right now our revenue where we're tracking to be, so we actually really opened doors, um, in October, 22. Um, so it hasn't even been a complete year. Oh, wow. Yet. We're on track to hit 1.5 to two mil, uh, our first complete year, uh, if you go year to year, of course on our fiscal year and we're next year after that, we're in target to hit about three. Um, our goal is uh, about fifty million in five years, and Zach can kind of explain more on that. But we have really big ambitions, and we we came right up the gate, kind of swinging hard, hitting hard. Yeah, as far as the other part to your question, the service there, um, pretty much cover anywhere from Heattown, Town, Louisville, to Lexington. Um, I currently live in the Fayette County market, Dalton, in the Jeffersonville, East End of Louisville area. Um, but we're still kind of in, I, I guess, our, our stages growth. 90% of our work is still end in Louisville. Um, pretty much anything we do in Lexington is, is done by word of mouth. We don't spend any money marketing here. Uh, obviously, all of our marketing dollars reside in Louisville. Um, uh, I know we've peed throughout the, the 50 million mark in five years. Um, uh, obviously there's no, uh, I, I know that's kind of a, a very specific number, but once we hit the 50, there's really no, uh. There's no brake pedal um, on that. Obviously, we understand that be able to do 50 million will be pretty much unheard of. But we're going to be able to do Obviously, our part still market. Hopefully, in the next few years, um, if all goes well. But growth has been kind of a, uh, I guess, a rapid thing for us. So it's kind of like you know we really didn't start seeing any growth until we did really February March. Uh, before it was kind of a scramble. Uh, so it's all it's been pretty
1: fun since. Awesome. So I guess just uh, two questions I wanted to double click into. So first, you know, why, why 50? Like, well, like, why not 40? Why not 60? Like, why specifically 50? Like, what's, what's the story behind that number?
0: I don't know that there really is one. It's kind of a, uh, and you know, now that, now that we look at it, I, I think 50 is just such a big number that you hear from. You know we both came from very big companies came from big outfits uh 50 was just kind of that magical number uh and i think a lot of that is kind of geared towards the market you're in i think you know 50 is kind of an unheard market mark number in the local market i would say there's probably only two contractors maybe three that even scratched that in that area uh, but now that we look at it i mean it's people might think we're crazy but it's a very achievable number in five years I think yep. uh, the other thing to add on that too is we don't plan on just taking H V A C. So we do plan on going multi trade, and that is gonna be the one of the
1: ways that we get to that goal. That's awesome. So multi yeah, multi trade and um and also you see companies in your market who are somewhat scratching up against it. So it's like, wow, this is this is an actual possibility. And um I also love that it it is such a big goal. There's um there's a great book. It's uh, called 10X is Easier Than 2X. And the, the premise behind it is that by having such a big goal, it simplifies the number of paths to get there. And so it's actually counterintuitively easier to set a bigger goal than to set a smaller goal. Um, so I absolutely love that. Um, and, and I guess the other thing I wanted to, to double click into was um, you said there's something around February, March. Like what what happened around that time? Was it just... Was it a seasonal thing? Was it something like, you know, the magic internally within the company? Like we finally figured out, like what, what happened that caused that, that surge in growth that you were talking about?
0: Yeah. So I'll kind of start on that first and Zach, if you want to add anything to it. So we, uh, started, we were just completely word of mouth at first. So we started with a very, very low amount of money from side jobs, actually. So we weren't, we're not funded by anyone. We're not backed by anyone. It was just, uh, we both had jobs at other companies we were kind of doing some side work on the side to kind of build up a little bit of a nest egg. Wasn't much. It was like less than 20 grand, something like that. So it's not, not a lot of money. So we started extremely lean. So all the, all the, um, original calls that we ran were, were all self-generated. So either through Facebook, uh, Facebook groups are really lucrative for us. Um, just, uh, word of mouth in general, people we know, those kind of relationships, Zach's really good at networking. And then what we really had to do a lot of was some door knocking. Zach and I got humbled up pretty quickly. Uh, when bills are due and we got to find a way to make money. So we, we went to a bunch of communities, we door knocked, the door slammed in our face, the whole nine yards of it. And really that's what kind of motivated us. Okay. We got to keep, keep going, keep pushing. If we can get through this, we can generate some revenue this way. We can just definitely do it once a mark. and we waste a ton of uh, money on marketing out the gate. I don't even want to say how much, uh, heard through, we're on a, our third or fourth website now, uh, and you know, we're still not even a year. You're in business, you just a ton, ton of money out of the gate on marketing, kind of firing on all cylinders and kind of figured out what, what we can do. And now we're at a point where it's a little bit more fine tuned. And then of course it is a seasonal business. So April is kind of when we first got our, our hot streak. So anyone in the trade is going to get a phone call then, um, but our, we really dialed in our marketing is kind of the, the biggest thing that made that big jump.
1: Awesome. And then uh, Zach, same perspective on that? Was um, was that the same ingredients that you were seeing on your end?
0: I um, mean, you know, the biggest thing that, that we can learn. Don't bring two very different uh, aspects of the industry. They uh, don't get very, very, very strong tech. Um, not else. I know enough to be dangerous, but it's not a strong tech. So it's it's kind of humbling to see because at the end of the day, you can be the best tech in the world. You can be the uh, best networker in the world you can't mark it, uh, right. it's, it's a simple equation. Um, uh, so I, I think the biggest, you know, we went through like a little, a little series out the gate, uh, where our Google got, this, actually had to have a return to get our Google back. So Google's oh, the yeah. necessary evil, right? So <laughs> uh, it's, uh, so that, that kind of held us up a little bit, uh, and you know, it's, I don't know, marketing is like the weather channel, you know, 50% of them are accurate, 50% are shoot fish in a barrel. So it's, uh, it's, it's trying to understand and it, I don't know. It's, I think we have it navigated. That's a whole different wheelhouse. I don't really know. Um, we know what's working now, obviously we track everything. Um, you know, we're, we're literally on every single piece of market except for we're on it. So obviously that's, uh, it's, it's not that I guess. The mentality kind of like car mechanic. Anybody can do it, but who's good at it. Or just have
1: it's Spend a lot of money. To learn Yeah. Which we yeah, did. If you spend a lot of money, you'll learn quick. <laughs> That's like you're bleeding, yeah, right. You're bleeding. Okay, like, oh, I gotta I gotta figure this yeah, out. Right. <laughs> love that. Um and and I guess just uh I, I'd love to also dig in as well because you guys came so fast out of the gate. And um, also at, at your ages as well, I, I've spoken to so many owners who have been in the game for 10, 20 years and, you know, they're, they're having a tough time cracking that, that seven figure mark. And, and I'm, I'm always just curious, like the psychology and like the backgrounds of the people that are able to break through quickly um, and those that it seems like there's something that's, that's not like catching. And so could you speak to that maybe, especially for the younger guys who are listening, maybe they're know, want to start up their company, or maybe they've started and they, you know, they're looking to get inspired. Like, what, like, what would you say to them, like, to achieve like the fast uh, run rate or the growth that you guys have seen in less than a year? I mean, it's,
0: in my perspective, it's all grind and hustle. I mean, you know, we know a lot of people, um, network very, very well. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, we realize the quicker we get it done now is the quicker we're coming out of the truck. Uh, enjoy the actual aspects of life. Uh-huh. I like business stress. I don't like the the financial business stress. You know, like Dalton was saying, we started our business with thirteen thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars. and then you know the other the other piece of it where we're very, very fortunate, you no know, debt in our business. So the ability to 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 grow um is is awesome because, you know, we we almost eight months without a paycheck. Um where we literally just, just added fuel to the to the business and it wasn't fun, but we understood that, you know, there's a bigger picture. I, I think the industry, what a lot of people see where they mess up is you get these really busy summers, these people go out and they buy all these nice toys and run behind on the parts house bill, and they're focused less on the business idea and focus more on the back. I make a twenty five grand a week. Clearing the mm-hmm. in the market. Um, you you got to bank that money. You don't know what the economy is going to do. Obviously, right now, the economy is very um, regardless of your political views, it's, it's, just, it's just reality. It's to your face. Um, uh, and if you don't bank for the slower seasons, you're not going to grow or you're, you're ultimately may not have a business. Life.
2: Awesome. How about
1: you, Dalton?
0: Yeah, I'll expand on that a little bit too. I know you were mentioning kind of like, what's the difference between like a, a six figure or seven figure contractor. And I think a lot of it has to do with kind of the perspective on the industry. When I first started charter wrenches and then I'll kind of talk Talk a little bit of the technician side, kind of more on the business side of it too. But having that perspective from a technician to your guys in, Zach and I are really good at maximizing when we're in the house. So it doesn't take very many leads. Uh, we ran one month, we spent, I think $6,000 in pay-per-click, ran four leads and made $20,000 in a So it doesn't take a whole lot for us to convert. And that's where a lot of contractors miss out on. They're burning through these leads and leads are extremely expensive as we know. Unless you've been in the game 15, 20 years and you have a whole kind of word of mouth you know, uh, you've been in the town for a while, good old boy system kind of thing. You're paying a lot of money for these leads. And we found that out. So one of the most important thing is maximizing on the leads. Uh, the problem is a lot of guys come, come from a very genuine place. Like, Hey, I don't want to rip people off. I don't want to overcharge. I don't want to do this. What it turns out being, especially in our trade, if you're not doing a full system inspection of in the house, you're not in the house for at least an hour on the service call minimum system inspection closer to two hours. If you're not doing the due diligence. You're actually doing the customer a disservice. It's a lot, a lot of people don't understand. If I got to return to that customer more than once in the same six months, even I'd miss up. There's something I probably did wrong or when my text did wrong. Yeah. So when you're in the house, really going through and checking, because reality of it is, uh, this is on the HVAC school podcast and, uh, it was Jim Bergen, Brian Orr. They were talking about a little bit, uh, nine out of 10 systems have, uh, an existing issue in them. If you include duct leakage, that goes up to 10 out of 10 systems. So or the technicians leave them that way, or they, are they fixing those issues because your client's paid, you know, calling you because they have a problem. If you're leaving with a $99 service fee and a capacitor, you're not fixing all their issues. Maybe they don't want to spend the money on them. A lot of them have no idea what's wrong. They don't know 30% of their air is leaking into their, their attic. They don't know that their filtration system isn't working. They're getting mold inside their cabinet. So a lot of the technicians just don't have a good thorough process. And I think that's really what ends up separating the, the six figure contractors that are just kind of paying themselves versus the guys who are really growing is they they understand that there's a whole process that needs to be done inside of the house. That's where Zach and I, we I feel like we do really well is we maximize on our opportunities because again they're expensive. But that's
1: kinda kind of the biggest difference that I see. Gotcha. Yeah. Just making the most out of what you got. Because it's it's like, you know, there's there's more it seems like in all all markets, there's more players that are coming in, whether that's private equity or whether there's you know, these bigger players with these huge marketing budgets and, um, and just making the, how do you make the most out of what you already got? It's not always about new, new, new. It's about, okay, how do we take care of what we currently have? And um, whether that's the opportunity in front of us, or, or even some of our past customers. Um, and then to what you said, Zach, I, I love the, it's like this idea of sacrifice of, you know, short term versus uh long-term gratification. Right. It's, it's like, do I do I want the paychecks now? Do you know, do I want the pretty toys? You know, do I want to be able to flex, you know, HVAC paid for it, like this, that sort of deal. Like I got all these things. Or do I want to put those funds back to the business to to grow? And and maybe um I know one thing that you guys mentioned before um in a previous call was, you know, bring on the right, right team as well. And so being able to pay them. So could you speak to that as well? Cause it's not just you two guys. Like there's, there's more people on your team. Could you talk about maybe like the first few hires that you made? And, um and I guess like how you, how you brought them on into the company.
0: Yeah. So we, uh we work with the guys. So um Zach, how many years have you been in the trade for? Uh, college though. So. Yeah, 12, so, oh man, that age is, uh, 11 years. 12 years, uh, yeah, he's got 11 years and I'm sure high school, I'm 23. So, oh. six years for me. And so for us, we both worked at other companies and one of the most important things we've done is obviously building those relationships while you're at other companies. Cause you learn, you learn and meet a whole lot of really good techs and you know who are the not, not so great techs. So just knowing the people and kind of having them in your circle. All the guys that we work with currently who are employed by us, they, we've worked with them before, so we've got to get a really good grasp on their level of quality, their ethics, and just their overall performance. So that's their really big part there. Um, obviously we want to hire guys who are clean cut. Uh, we really believe in the image side of the industry. We're not going to hire someone who's 400 pounds overweight, uh, is what it is. It affects their performance yeah. in a home. You're not going to be trustworthy if your, if your beard's all grown out, mangly. If you need to be a clean-cut, sharp image, and that's kind of the, the audience that we sell to, our ideal client, they expect that. So we hire people uh, who are in line with that, people who work out. So everyone on our team goes to the gym you know, three to five days a week. Uh, that's another thing. So just kind of finding the people who are already self-driven and then just kind of being that, that lending hand to help that next level is where we, we've we seen some success there.
1: How much is that? Anything else that you felt um, was missing? So it seems like, Guys, who you've worked with in the past, similar work ethic. Um, you know, going to the gym together, it, it shares like, hey, you know, physical fitness, that excellence in body was a key thing.
0: I would prefer guys that haven't been in the industry forty years, and I know this might trample what ninety-nine percent of contractors say. And it's not that I have a jab at those people, but we want guys that you know, we're air support. We're not, we're not our competitors. We want jobs on our way. Everybody feels differently. Um, we have a certain standard, and it's a lot easier to teach. A new dog, and is an old dog, so, uh, and it's not that. that the, the way they may do it may may be awesome, but it's a lot better to be able to grow guys into. You know, Peterman Brothers they they do this this aspect really well. You know, they turn guys around with 60 leagues awards. So obviously, Chad's got to figure it out. Um, we kind of had that same philosophy on. You know, we 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 prefer guys been carried a year year and a half that we, we can mold because. I mean, at the end of the day, HVAC is not rocket science. Oh. It's not, you're not, you're not performing brain surgery. So that's, that's kind of really the only thing I got to add as far as the pay. Pay side is pretty much, you get what you get. Um, I won't dive into the specific numbers on how we pay the guys. Uh, but the more they perform, the more they make. Um, I mean, if you were to sit down with our guys, they're, they're more than, uh-uh. I'll be very transparent. Both of our guys will make. One of one will clear six figures, a healthy six figures. And the other one to touch, six. Um, which wow. is almost unheard of. Um, and you know they're not. We don't. We don't kill them. You no know, we we literally got to beg them really to work on the weekends. So it's uh the guys are treated well, but you know I think a lot of people don't understand when you get into this side of business with blue collar guys, money's great, uh, but it's not corporate. You know ninety percent of blue collar guys aren't driven by money. They want to go home They and see their wives and see their kids, they crack a beer get on their side-by-sides or whatever their hobbies may be. But for the most part, you know, it's, it's culture. You know, it, it guys, you know, that's, that's where Dalton really shines in this industry. Dalton doesn't ask his guys to do anything that he would not be. There. You know, it might be the worst crawl. Dalton not be the first guy in there. It's, it's a level of respect. not a guy pushing Ooh. policies down your throat. You. And I think that's where we shine because pretty, pretty much, I would say, 50% of our market now is probably and, you know, it's this whole idea of you're gonna follow these rules A to Z, whether you like it or not. And if you got a problem, with the road and well, private equity the spot you're it. Sorry, private
1: equity. If you watch this podcast, it's just reality. <laughs> That's true. It's and it's um and it's. I, I love what you said. It's it's leading from the front. Uh, it's um you know if I'm gonna ask you to do something, then I'm also willing to do that, and I, I feel that builds a lot of confidence in a team. Rather than this, you know, I'm sitting in my mighty chair and everyone do as I say because I'm paying you. And that might have worked on corporate, you know, ten, twenty, thirty years ago. But I feel as well like the new generation of the workforce is is very different. Um, and it sounds like those are also the, the guys who you're attracting as well in that I don't know, 20s, you know, 20s range is what what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, in terms of um attracting, you know. Uh, you know, the the newer workforce, are there other things? So you you talked about work-life balance, you know, pay is important, but maybe not a primary contributor. Um, You know, having, you know, great, you know, leaders who are willing to lead from the front. Is there anything else that if you were advising someone who wanted to attract more team members who were, you know, in that age range, like what else, what else, what other things could be good to, you know, bring them on board to, to the company?
0: Yeah, one of the things that we're doing, um, that's more so on the service, it looks like it's, it's just marketing. Um, uh, but it's more so for attracting good talent is we're doing a lot of social media posts and, uh, what that really helps us with. So we do a lot of edge feature videos, so it is part with the clients, but a lot of it's for attracting guys who are in our area, um, to us. Cause either you're going to vibe with the, the content and materials that we're putting out or you're not. And if you, you, you're not vibing with it, you don't like what we're putting out, cause we're putting out here, your are our standards. Our standards exceed most of the industry standards. This is the way we do our jobs. This is why we do our jobs this way. If we get guys who are button heads on that, oh, I've been doing it 15 years this way, you don't need to do it like that. You're a typical guy. We don't want that guy. We want someone who's like, okay, I love this. You guys take a lot of pride in your work. It's, it attracts pride, prideful guys, guys who are really careful because the reality is if you're a service tech in our industry, the last thing you want to do is work for a company that's got really, really terrible, low quality installs you don't get paid on those, those are non-opportunity calls. You're just making your your hourly, your base pay. So you want to come to a place that really emphasizes the importance of high quality installs, low number of callbacks, and that's what we want to attract. But with that, all the social media that we're posting, we uh, location tag everything. So it's more likely to pop up on your feed, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. So we're on all the platforms and we've been getting a lot of just attention. Yeah, we have been getting some viral posts here and there, but a lot of it's been, guys, in the in the supply house, you know, talking. Hey, I, I watched your video, or hey, I've seen your video, and that's what we're kind of
1: after with that is the, the whole culture building there. That's awesome, man. You're like no big deal. We, we went viral like once or twice. You know, no, no biggie. <laughs> that's awesome, and um, like what would like what would a, a a typical video look like? So could you give me like an example? Like oh, this is this is what we would create, and like this this was a this was a great piece.
0: Yeah, so typically it'll just be uh, us out on a job. Um, let's say we're installing a media filter. We'll explain this is why we're installing the media filter this way. These are the benefits of it. This is how it helps the client and this is how it makes a better install. So it's kind of a quick, we try to keep all the videos under 60 seconds, kind of from the algorithms of everything. Um, it's just a quick little explanation. We'll talk about maybe flowing nitrogen in another video, just kind of best practices, here's what we do. Here's why. And it's kind of gives us a professional edge over our competition in our market because there's not a single competitor doing that right now. You know, if they do, we're far ahead of them with with how much content we put out. But then, you know, the other side too is, of course, attracting like the talent.
1: That's awesome. You know, and I I um I've seen a lot of um, accounts, Instagram accounts, and most of them are the mar- the marketing is is a different is a different focus. Like most of it is like, hey, here's my special, here's my promo, Happy Labor Day. And it's very like corporate, it's like an image, there's, you don't feel the life of the company, but it sounds like you just have a completely different angle. Like it's, 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 it's like almost your, it's a different, like target market you're trying to serve. It's not necessarily the customer, maybe the customer will enjoy that, but it's, it's more for other people who who are seeing, which is a very unique angle. It sounds, um, that's awesome. And any thoughts on that, Zach, from your perspective?
0: I mean, not really hit it right on the head. I mean, you know, a lot of it is, you know, it's just unorthodox, right? You know, from the day I've been in the industry to now, everything I do is unorthodox. to what everybody else does in the industry. And I think, you know, you're, it's just different, you know, and people like different, um, you know, and it, it's, there's a level of trust that comes with that difference too. Obviously is, you know, from, from a hiring standpoint, it. You can boast your work online. You, you run the risk of getting berated, literally. That's, that's the nicest way I could put it. Um, and there's a level of trust that comes with that. Um, you know, I'm confident in what I do. Uh, my stuff looks good. I'm happy with it. I know it's done right. I'll post it all over social media, uh, wherever the case may be. Um, if you know you don't do good work, you know you're running behind bad work, you're not doing that. Uh, so I, I think you get the psychological aspects of that stuff. It's, it's just a level of trust and, you know, people want to be a part of that because it, it makes everybody
2: else's life easier. Awesome.
1: Cool. And, um, and I, I guess on that, uh, you, you mentioned about performance pay and I remember from our previous conversation, how important that was as well. Like, it's not just, Hey, it's a flat pay. And then from there we're good. Could you maybe, you know, talk a little bit more about how you don't have to get specific numbers, but just like how. Like, what are some of those things that are being incentivized to make sure that you know the quality is to the standard that you guys are looking for like how how is that entire i guess incentive system set up
0: yeah exactly um essentially in our market there's two ways people are getting paid right now you're either hourly plus spiff or commission or you're a um, complete crew pay yeah in the install world is they're doing a lot of crew pay now uh that's kind of where i think the industry is heading which is a, a percentage of the job total. So let's say a job sells for $10,000, group based seven, 7%, $700 a split between the lead installer on some kind of split. So that's how a lot of the companies are starting to do it, or they're, they're still hourly and they're still doing overtime and they're doing bonuses, stuff like that. So we're doing on the percentage side, the biggest problem that I've seen with this, i uh, work with a company, um, that was like that is the install quality was awful because you're incentivizing these guys to get off the job as quick as possible because they're making more money on the hour. So how, the way you combat that, uh, this, I kind of ripped this off Tommy Mello from A1 Garage Stores, uh, they, they have categorized ways that they pay. So ours is a sliding scale percentage. I won't get into what the exact numbers look like on that, but they're based on five KPIs. I, I think you, if you have too many, uh, it gets kind of overwhelming, but on our install five, there's five core KPIs that we, we base that off of and you have to be within range on every single one of them or you, you get dipped down. So it's a sliding scale commission percentage and all of this motivates our techs uh, so through pay structure those kpis we motivate them to market for us to help advertise get our name out there we motivate them to do a higher quality craftsmanship job get good reviews so all of this is part of the pay structure and then on our service side we have a kind of a, a blend between the services could a little bit more seasonal a little bit more of a high and low dip um on our service end of it we do a base plus a And same thing on there, it's, it's completely based on those uh, same KPIs. So, and incentivizing that through pay is what we figured out makes the difference, because the problem is if you stick to just hourly, you're not really motivating them to be efficient at their job. You're not really, uh, motivating them to do more work, be more productive. And then if you do the just percentage way with no type of structure behind that, you're incentivizing them to do a, a quick low quality job. So we found the hybrid. I think we found the hybrid between that. Obviously, we'll we'll figure out the pains as we grow with that. Uh, Tommy Mello, he he talked about it a lot on his podcast, and that's kind of where where that whole thing came from. I really liked it, and if I'm a guy in the field, I'm thinking about how do I want to pay? paid. What would motivate me? And that's that's exactly how we came up.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, and it it really creates a win win, right? You know, it's for for the customer. It's great for. The installer, it's great, but also for the company, it's great because it's it's maintained at the proper standard. Um, that's that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. And then um, Zach, any other thoughts on the incentive based structure?
0: I mean, you know, the, the, I would say pay structure kind of plays along with engagement, right? You know, it's it's making get rid of the you know the, the big joke on the boss all the time that they're on the on the jobs all the time that don't call dad i uh, not the first guy to blurt to out, I'm not your dad. You know, we're, we try to run our company like we're not, like we're not owners, like we're employees. And I think that's the, the, the biggest thing when you get into the pay side too is, you know, you, you incentivize these guys to go the extra mile at the ultimate at the end of the day as a business owner. It may sound greedy, but your goal is you want your guys to go the extra mile for you because, you know, if you got a late install on a Friday night, you want to keep spirits high. I mean, we're fortunate. In them. Our guys and it'd, it'd be midnight and we're still on a job people are laughing you know. um and that's I, I think a lot of that is created from that pay structure and uh at you know, least it's it, like you said it just comes down to incentives i think i think bill not he's he recapped and he covered it pretty well
1: cool so it's it sounds like the the combo of you know the incentives and pay structure plus how you hired in the beginning you know there's the marketing as well as leading from the front that's like almost a good mix of what created the culture. Is there anything else you thought that was missing? That was like, oh, this is this is something that's key that we do that really helps build culture in the company. I think you mentioned gym earlier, so I don't know, maybe you guys go to hit the gym, and you know, lift some iron together or <laughs> anything else that you guys do?
0: Yeah. I go to gym. I got a Dunkin' Donuts addiction. <laughs> <laughs> but I I don't know. I mean it's I, you know, like Dalton said in the past, I think when, you, when you're in there with the, in the trenches with your guys, uh, we have a relationship with these guys. Dalton's got a lot of respect in the industry, uh, so I, I think there's, you know, if your guys are happy at your company, bringing on talent is easy. Uh, I don't, there, in my opinion, there's no shortage in the industry. All that's BS. I think it's, you know, talent follows talent. So if you have really good talent, they come in a pack. Burn that bridge, especially in a small town in Kentucky's not not, not huge by right? we're not San Antonio over now Los Angeles. Um, you burn your bridge where it gets around. We know a few companies that could explain that very well uh but talent falls talent i mean people people know who does good work, you know, like Dalton said, service techs do not want to run behind bad installs because they're taking the brunt of it from the customer not getting paid on it, not down to the 10 they got to fix it you know the whole philosophy of you pay installers and before you make them text and you make them installers that stuff will will come to speech at all
2: love that
1: love that um cool and i guess uh from here i'd love to shift the conversation to your partnership right so um i guess like how you guys i mean it sounds like you guys worked together in the past but, um i i think my questions would be around like building a successful partnerships because i've I've seen, I've heard, you know, many folks who had a partnership, and because this or that, we didn't talk about this or that, or personality conflicts that can be a challenge on an ongoing basis. And so, um, you know, for someone who is thinking about getting or building a partnership, because you guys have strengths that, like, uh, inversely, you don't have, and so it sounds like you're a nice pair together. And so, when it comes to partnerships, any any advice that you'd give to someone who's who's looking to get into it?
0: I think a lot of it's just, you got to know your business partner. Uh, you know, and at the end of the day, I don't care what anybody says, no I matter mean, how close, how how good friends you are, you're going to butt heads. You're going to disagree on things. That's just life. And I, I, think the biggest piece of advice I can recommend, I can tell you right now, I'm probably one of the hardest guys to get along with me, very stubborn. I'm very set in my ways. I'm incredibly patient. Um, but if you don't, at, at the end of the day, partnership, in my opinion, is focused on one thing and that's a goal. Um. Uh, If you don't have the same goals, you don't have the same, you know, 10 year goal, 15 year goal, 20 year goal. It doesn't matter how, how long or how well you get along initially, there will be no value in that partnership. People could say, oh, we were best friends for 25 years. That's all great. But it, you know, like if I was 50% in on, on the investing side, as far as, you know, let's, let's hold off on some of the marketing, this would never work. Um, you know, we, we're both, there's one thing at the end of the day, no matter what we disagree on, fight on, both have no loss. Uh, it's a hundred miles per hour, full throttle and without a, a set goal between the two, it, it, it just doesn't work.
2: Yep. Align goals.
0: And Dalton, how about you? Yeah. What I've added to that too is, you know, like, like Zach said, the goal mutual interest, I think holds any, any partnership together so much more than any type of written contract could in the world. So having the, we both have the exact same goals. We both know where we want to be. The end goal in mind is extremely important. And then the other part too, is I, I think when you find a partnership, you almost want them to be an opposite person. You don't want, a lot of people are, they're close to circle or people who just like, and maybe a, a technician in the field is what we see a lot of technician in the field finds another really good tech. They're really confident. They know nothing on, on the interpersonal side, the communication side. So that's where Zach and I kind of bring really good dynamics to the industry. Uh, and as a partnership, Zach's, he's a networking genius. I mean, he can talk to anyone, find anyone, get any contact. And he's been exponentially valuable. Uh, you know, if you look on paper on the technical side, he's not your strongest technical guy in the world, but you wouldn't, you would be fool if not the partner of this guy, um, uh, because you don't really realize the strengths of having that large circle and network. And I'm not that guy, but I am really good at the technical side. I can run guys. I can manage crews. I can manage jobs really well. So having kind of that yin and yang together helps. And we're both willing to learn each other's aspects too. So Zach is 10 times second technician than he ever was before. And I'm 10 times the networker I ever was before. So having that given poll, the guys, you know, having guys want to work and help each other, Zach's given me tons of, tons of ways to improve on my networking, communication side. And you know, when I first met, met Zach, Zach actually interviewed me at the company I was working at and I was, <laughs> I was, uh, 20 pounds lighter. I wouldn't look you in the eye. I was stuttered half my words. So all that stuff makes a really big difference. And then last thing I would say that really helps our, our partnership is our commitments. So if you got a family and you have kids, you have a lot of, I I'd call it baggage. I call it commitments. The reality is it's things that pull you away from the business. If you have a lot of that, that makes it a lot more stressful a lot harder because at the end of the day, right now, Zach and I, were both single guys. We're young. We don't have any kids. We don't have any baggage. We don't have any commitments going so that allows us to kind of put all of our energy towards the business where if one partner has a family, one doesn't, they, they're not going to understand that, that aspect of them. Um, so of course we've, we've, we've talked about it too, uh, with the partnership. Hey, if you, uh, you get married, you get a girl, in, that prenup's happening. it's, it's in our <laughs> house.
1: <laughs>
0: so having hey, that. I wish you, I wish you, man. <laughs> <yeah. Prenup.
1: laughs>
0: but having that stuff, like talked about ahead of time. Because, you know, that's going to be something, you know, obviously we don't want to be 60 hours a week every single week for the rest of our life. in business is not the end goal, but we do want to go full throttle at it for at least the next five or so years. So obviously, as we start to kind of get some of those commitments added on, we're not going to be single guys the rest of our lives. Hopefully not. Uh, Zach's a wild card. He's <laughs> like, it's not mad. But, <laughs> but as his commitment goes on, it's important to have that, that communication about it. This is where we want to be. These are our goals, and this is how things can change. And having all that kind of talked about up front piled on to the mutual interest, the common goals, that's kind of what makes our partnership great. We're, we do butt heads in some areas and uh, we don't always agree on everything, but at the end of the day, we both want the best The company. We want to make the most amount of money. We want to be the most successful and the best of both. And we both have those exact same goals. So sometimes it kind of takes a little bit of back and forth to show each other, Hey, this is why I'm thinking this. Um, but just having a lot together is really what makes it a nice fluid partnership.
1: It's awesome. And uh, as you guys were speaking, I was just watching both of your faces. Like as you were speaking, Dalton, how, how Zach reacting and then the reverse. And I, I could tell there's that synergy. There's that bond there. And just like, (laughs) I love that. Um, and there's three traits. I also wanted to point out you guys didn't mention. I, I I think you guys have a, both of you have great self-awareness. To be able to acknowledge, like, hey, here's my strengths and here's my weaknesses and here's where the gaps need to be filled. I think on top of that, there's a humility that comes with that, like, hey, I don't, I don't know everything. And um, you know, a lot of folks they they don't want to like they don't want to appear stupid or I don't know this or that. But you guys have that humility. And then third is is that transparency of like, hey, this is what's going on and this is this is like how things are going right now. Um, I, I think those are three traits that both of you have. That that really helps out the relationship a lot. It's it's like building any relationship. Those are three key things to, to any good relationship. So love seeing that. Um, okay, and then um, any pitfalls you'd say? Like now that you're in the relationship, do you advising someone? Is there anything that you'd say? Wow, that's a complete red flag. You should not go forward on that partnership. Like, how do you advise someone who's thinking about it? Um, and there's like, don't do that. That's bad. Don't do that. <laughs>
0: I'd say, uh, I, I could, uh, I could go all night on this talk. (laughs) Uh, I mean, there's a point Tyler partnership doesn't make sense, right? So I think some people dive too deep into the partnership, you know, a lot of, I'd say a lot of businesses are built on partnership where one person brings basically a crap load of money to the table and the other person is basically a slave to the business. And, um, those are usually the partnerships that fail, um, because there's a point in time where, you know, at the end of the day, a business is, is, one, is the only goal of business to make money, you know, to make money in business. And if you're a numbers guy and you're a numbers cruncher and bring the, the money to the table, your one focus is put the money back in my pocket as quick as we can, let's grow and And that's just not reality. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and I, I think the other issue that I see a lot of people don't, miss sure is, will partner people that don't know, um, everything seems good on paper but you know at the end of the day it's not who you are when things are good to who you are and uh how do you resolve those problems not can't resolve together you know that's that's one thing about me and dalton is we, we do not see out out in a lot of stuff we put heads probably three or four times a week um, but we bring it up right away it's, it's resolved right away you know that probably not gonna like the conversation or the outcome the reality is that there's no awkward silence or any of that and i think there's a lot of you know, what's, what's, what's funny about my relationship with Dalton is I'm the first guy that I'll never speak highly of him to his face, um, but I do behind his back constantly. He'll tell you that. Um, and it's not, it's, it's just my competitive aspect, my competitive mindset. Um, and I'm that way with all the guys as well, you know, it's, it's kind of like a competitive edge that, you know, you know participation, participation therapy here. It's really good at what you do or you suck. It is what it is. And, you know. How are you going to get better? And I think that a lot of people can't handle that mindset. Um, uh, it's, it's just different. I mean, you could go, I could, like I said, I could fill a notebook on the part and what works and, you know, I think, I'd say my biggest piece that I'll turn it over to Dalton would be people get so money hungry. Um, uh, I grew up in money, Dalton and I have very different backgrounds of that. Um, uh, but very well, but at the end of the day, save um, money really holds no value, um. Uh, Sure, it's also one of the problems, but it's not here to happen. this. You know, it doesn't matter if I'm worth $100 million or, or I got five grand in my day life, who I am at the end of the day. I'm still one of the cheapest guys, I'll tell you. as cheap as it gets, but keep it weird ways. Uh, but, you know, I, I think people let money change them. And at the end of the day, it's we're all end up feet up yeah. But ground. money comes and goes, you know, people don't.
1: Dalton, how about you? Any red flags? You know, the ones, hey, no, do it. It's a red flag. It's huge.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I'd like to add that uh, I guess has kind of helped and not so much as a red flag, but being really transparent about what you personally didn't take home the business because a lot of guys are not transparent about that up front. They will say it's lower numbers. So Zach and I, when we opened doors, we didn't take a paycheck for the first eight months. And uh, we're very transparent about each other's personal finances. And maybe too much to the point where we might as well just be married at this point, we know everything about each other. Right. <laughs> but, uh, just having that clear expectation, like, Hey, this is what, when we're gonna start taking money, this is what we need to start, start, uh, paying ourselves, this, is how we're gonna do it and the next step. So we never just start paying each other more, something like that without consulting the other. So there's always that communication between each other. Uh, when we were first paying ourselves, we were paying ourselves what would be considered poverty. And that'd be a nice way to put it. We're paying ourselves almost pennies. So, and that was after eight months of absolutely zero paycheck from the business. So having that in mind too, when you start out, when things are rough, what's that look like? Are you guys both in financially comfortable spots? Uh, Zach's got some, some age on me. So he's been able to build up a more personal nest egg, but we both were financially responsible for entering business to each and with each other. If you have a partnership with someone who lives paycheck to paycheck, that's probably not going to work out because when times get hard and you need to pay yourselves less or something like that, and that partner can't, there's going to be a lot of friction, a lot of heat there. So that's one of the things I would say is really, really important is being transparent about what someone has to make. And the other side too, is I'd say for most people, a partnership, I think doesn't make too much sense. I think you're better off hiring your weaknesses as opposed to partnering and giving equity of a business towards that. I think Zach and I have just a really good relationship. It works for us, but I think for a lot of people, I could see how it, it's terrible. We know a lot of guys uh, locally who have partnered up and they just fall flat on their face because it's just not about a contract that's going to hold their business. The contract's going to be about worthless. You know, if someone wants to give up their effort and just stop working out entirely, you can't stop them from doing it. You can't force them to work. So having that all really upfront transferring, knowing who you're going in business with. A lot of people like to see all the good sides, all the benefits without really being realistic about who they are, what what their history is like. Zach and I both have uh, a track record of being the highest performers anywhere we've been. So partnering with someone like that who has that consistency, I think is really, really important.
1: Uh, And and just, I guess, just to recap, compatibilities. it sounds like financially capable was one, lifestyle, um, place in life with commitments, um, fitness, and then vision. Hey you guys, they're matched man in heaven. Dude. <laughs> can't think yeah. anything else to add to that.
0: <laughs> I had the gym rap jim rat or gym rat he is, so I can't <laughs> walk. get down into that. I I go you on know, the house. That's about it. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Um and I and I I guess to transition from here, um it sounds like you've had some really great mentors and people who've poured into you in your life. Um, Also, it sounds like, you know, Tommy Mello's podcast was pretty big for you, Dalton. Um, What was some of the I guess some of the mentors or the information or the groups that you were a part of that really helped to, you know, keep you in the know and, you know, keep your knowledge sharp because there's there's so much that's out there. Right. And it's can be overwhelming. Uh, But it sounds like you guys have that for you. Like what what would you say like really helped with, um, with the knowledge aspect of building the business? Aside from, of course, the direct experience with, with the companies, I think that was a huge piece. Anything else that, that you'd, you'd add on?
0: Yes, I'll start on that. Um, at least on my end of it, I came from two failed uh, parents' uh, small businesses. So both my parents were entrepreneurs growing up. Both their businesses kind of fell flat. They didn't do too well. I got to see a lot of what not to do early on. Um, but then kinda of once you get in the trade, what I realized really quickly, I, like I said, I said, I started my first week out of high school and within six month period I was making just as much as the other guys were I've been doing it three, four to six years. And I realized really quickly there's there's a quality level, there's a there's a shift in um uh, in what you're able to to do just by applying yourself, putting your head into the books. Um, so for, for me, at least from a business side, a lot of podcasts, um, just a lot of kind of observing how a business works when you're an employee for a business is a great time to learn underneath someone else's wing. Um, Zach did a really good job at a company we were at together before kind of scaling the HVAC side up extremely quick. And that's where a lot of his experience comes from too. And, uh, I, I think just having that kind of. You almost have a playground when you work for someone else. When you're an employee, you have all the experience that you can get, but none of the inherent risk comes with that. Uh, but it's from that on the podcast side, HVAC School podcast. It's a big, big eye-opener on the opportunities that are missed out in the house. Uh, of course, Tommy Mellis podcast, so I just think that guy's a genius. He's going to do amazing things in the garage door world. And then just kind of getting your hands on everything. There's a lot of fluff in our industry, a lot of fluff in the sales space. And kind of picking through what works for you and creating your own process. Cause everywhere, you know, a lot of us, we're not the first ones to do eating and business, right? So we don't have to completely reinvent the wheel with it, but we can definitely make our own wheel work a little bit better for us. So for us, it's about picking the best things of every single business, kind of making it into a funnel, what's going to work for us long-term and how is that? It? So kind of learning from other people's mistakes is a, is a big, big part too. so awesome. Zach, how about you? I mean I would still you know, kinda what of to to piggyback off what of Dalton said. I don't be the first guy to tell you I'm not really big into the hype stuff. I'm not, I'm not a podcast guy, I listen to me podcasts all the time. Like, do you listen to that? Yeah, he's like, I know you don't listen to well, it. Like, <laughs> it's just it's it's not really me. I, I kinda have my own my own path, my own destiny. I'm probably the most stubborn individual you're ever gonna come across and it's uh you know, I I don't know, I had the privilege of, company I was at before, um, where I kind of got the keys to the, uh, to the spaceship for the HVAC side, got to kind of run with it, and, uh, you know, we went basically a billion, uh, seven billion, like, basically a year, um, exploded, and that was kind of where you know, I interviewed Dalton at, but I basically got to play business with somebody else's money, um, and I learned what didn't work, and that's kind of where, you know, that was kind of a place where basically money was no option, it was how much more you need, I'll write the check. Um, uh, which is great, but you learn what works and what doesn't work. And ultimately, you know, I think a lot of owners get sidetracked by that idea of, you know, grow, 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 but you gotta have pieces at the bottom that continue that growth. You know, that, that very company that we're talking about is, uh, they're, they're hurt right now because of that very reason, because their, their culture is terrible. They, they let certain people advancement that should never be leaders in a company of, um, you're not, you know, ethical problems. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of me. Um, uh, you know, I have a few mentors in the industry, actually Justin Riley. He's been a, uh, successful. He's the owner of Rough Frog. Oh, uh, he's like family to me pretty much. I mean, do saltwater fishing together. Just a great stand-up guy. I think the problem with this industry is there's so many faces in the industry and i have not gonna mention names, but that could all persona of what's not reality, uh, but we got burned on that a couple of times out the gate. Um, we learned our lesson, mm-hmm. you know, I think, you know, there's, there's a fine line you walk and, uh, you know, but business is business. At the end of the day, there's 25 methods for, for one, one resolution, you know, they may all yeah. work, which one works best for you. Um, you know, markets are different you know, I don't care what anybody says. They're 45 minutes from each other. And our market tonight, I mean, night. um, and if you don't understand markets here, you're, you're never going to be successful in, um. So I think at the end of the day, business, like, like I said before, business, there's money in anything you do. Uh, business is not hard to do. In my opinion, it's not hard to make money. Dedicate to your craft, be good at it, understand your people that follow that. And, you know, at the end of the day, if your employees are happy, the sky's a little nothing. They, people enjoy what they do. It's not about the money when they come in on Monday morning. It's about, you know, it's, it's, they feel like there's a bigger picture than taking them a paycheck.
2: Love that.
1: Yeah, they're actually building, you know, building into a vision that's more than what someone individually can do. Um, And I think it's a beautiful thing. And it's, it's, it seems like, especially for the new generation of workers, that's what we're clamoring for, Um, you know, not to work in a, the same company for 30, 40 years. uh, It's just, um, just mindless, mindless, mindless work. (laughs) Yeah. And I know you guys came out of corporate as well. So you're going to probably, it's like, uh, yeah.
2: yeah.
1: So cool. Um, So I the thing I also love to tell people um, is that, you know, our podcast or show, it's not about, uh, it's not entertainment, it's, it's education. And that means that something has to be done as a result of it. So if you're to give like one action item for everyone who's listening, like, what would you say? To that person who's like thinking about making the leap, or someone who's trying to scale their company, like what's that one action that they should take after listening to the podcast?
2: That simple.
0: Do it. Worst thing that happens, you gotta go back and get another job. Pull the trigger, ride it out. If you, if you got hustle and you got grind and you're a competitor, you'll be successful at the end of the day. Stay away from debt. Bad, bad stuff. Stay away from it. Yep. And I would just pretty much pig back off of that. It's, um, uh, especially if you're younger and you're even considering it, if you fall on your face, you have, you have time, the older you get, the harder and harder that gets, and of course we talk about commitments. If, if I had a few kids and had a wife at home, I wouldn't be, be okay taking, uh, eight months without a paycheck. So pulling that trigger immediately, and as far as an action item, um, just and don't be afraid to, to create a long checklist, a process in your business and make sure you're maximizing on every single opportunity. The amount of food that is left on the plate in our industry is, it's absurd. If you're technicians or maybe you are tech right now, and you're listening to this, if you're walking away with, I don't know, it depends on the market. Of course, the dollar amount, but well, you're walking away with 300, $400 service tickets. You're doing the customer service at the end of the day. And it's not so much about the dollar amount, but it's about are you looking at more than just the exact part that's wrong on that day? And uh, so creating a process, do that. If you don't have one already, you don't have some
1: type of level of checklist,
0: anything to go through, I think that's the most
1: important. Yep, amazing. Um, And and any last words as well? I know we're coming up in the hour. It's also Sunday um, that we're recording this. And so I appreciate both of you (laughs) On an e- evening on a Sunday, they're doing this. Any last pieces of advice or any other perspectives you want to share before we uh, wrap everything up?
0: Follow well, your instinct. All right. Well, maybe, you know, there's, there's tough times in any part of business. Well, once you get through the tough times to navigate, you know, it'd
2: be all right like I said, comes back to being a competitor. If you're a competitor, you're going to win. I
0: would just add a um, look in the mirror. How are you showing up to life? Are you showing to your business the exact same way? Are you taking care of your health? You're not not good from the inside. You're not going to be good with your output. So I think make sure you're you're in check there. Any bad habits, anything holding you back? You're out of shape. Care of your appearance. All that reflects
1: on your output,
0: and that's completely your life, not just in business.
1: That there's a quote that goes that wherever you go, there you are. And, uh, or the, another version of it is, um, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So love that. Cool. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much, Zach and Dalton. This was a fun conversation. Um, again, it's such incredible growth in such a short period of time. And I know that for a lot of the young guys who might be listening to this, they'll be very inspired. And for those who've been in the industry for, let's say 10, 15 years, maybe this is the kick in the butt that they need in order to really get things into gear. So um, with that, thank you everyone for, for tuning into the podcast. Um, Yeah, definitely hit up those action items and um, yeah, with that, we'll close it up and we'll catch you on the next episode. All right. Take care, take care everyone. And we will chat soon. All right. Bye everyone.
0: Thank you for joining us for the
1: HVAC financial
0: freedom podcast. Follow us on StreamYard, Apple podcasts, Spotify,
2: Amazon music, and check out our main website,
0: www.hvacfinancialfreedom.com to find out how you can also achieve financial freedom.